You're listening to the Addiction Medicine Podcast, the official podcast of the Governor's Institute. If this is your first time listening, thanks for joining us. The Addiction Medicine Podcast is designed for healthcare professionals and others interested in addiction medicine and will feature thoughtful conversations and insights from clinicians, patients, and families, policymakers, and other stakeholders. Remember to make us a favorite wherever you get your podcasts. You can also stay connected with us at governorsinstitute.org or follow any of our social media channels at at GovInst. In the first episode of our series outlining important changes in the rules surrounding buprenorphine and who can distribute that life-saving medication, Dr. Blake Fagan told us that now all practitioners who have a current DEA registration that includes Schedule Three authority can prescribe buprenorphine for opioid use disorder in their practice if permitted by applicable state law. This means that pharmacies may now see an increase in the number of prescriptions for buprenorphine, and so today we are talking with Dr. Cheryl Viracola. She's the Director of Practice Advancement for the North Carolina Association of Pharmacists. Dr. Viracola leads various opioid initiatives and grant projects with the organization. Thank you for being part of this conversation. Let's get to it. Some providers in North Carolina who use buprenorphine in treating their patients with OUD have expressed concern about their patients not being able to get buprenorphine prescriptions filled at the pharmacy. Why is this happening? Well, first, let me say thank you so much for having me today. Um, I think one of the things that I would say, um, and while I wish these concerns are unfounded, unfortunately, there are multiple factors that affect the availability of buprenorphine at the pharmacy counter. Those that really rise to the top, and frankly, the ones that I find are common misconceptions among pharmacists, is this belief that there's a limit or perhaps an ordering cap to the amount of buprenorphine product a pharmacy can stock or order. Many pharmacists actually believe also that the DEA is the one imposing these quantity restrictions. Um, while it's true that the distribution of buprenorphine is federally regulated through the DEA, truth be told, there's nothing in the Controlled Substance Act or the DEA regulations that actually set quantity limits on the number of controlled substances that a registrant can order. In fact, nor do they require a DEA registrant, such as a wholesaler, to set such limits. And that's something that we really need to help clarify within our profession. Um, we're probably not the only ones that are confused about that, though, because just in this uh, past year, back in January, the DEA actually had to issue public guidance uh, concerning this uh, role uh, that they supposedly do or do not have. Um, now, what the DEA does say is that to ensure a system of checks and balances, the wholesalers out there, they need to monitor and report suspicious controlled substance ordering activity. But that's a really broad statement, and they leave that responsibility uh, up to the wholesalers as far as how they're going to carry that out. Some of the wholesalers have to develop their own monitoring systems to maintain their own compliance and avoid DEA scrutiny uh, when it comes to this. And so what they do is they start by creating these electronic rules or these thresholds, again, enter this idea of uh, controlled quantity limits, that decline a pharmacy's purchase if it exceeds what they've ordered in the past. And these end up flagging as suspicious, and they trigger a report to the DEA whether the order was, frankly, legitimate or not. So unfortunately, if the wholesaler refuses to fill the pharmacy's order, it, it kind of leaves the pharmacist thinking that they've exceeded some sort of order allotment. Again, it really doesn't exist. And if pharmacies fill it by ordering too much buprenorphine, they're going to trigger a DEA investigation 
or that might result in the loss of their registration status or potentially harm their business, they're inevitably going to choose not to rock the boat uh, and argue for more supply. Um, In some cases, they've even taken the extreme to that and removed buprenorphine from their inventory altogether. Pharmacists shouldn't be alarmed either uh, when they see a new patient or a prescriber outside their geographical area. Many patients, unfortunately, have to travel outside their local community to fill their prescriptions, especially if their local pharmacy doesn't have buprenorphine in stock or even far worse, the pharmacy's chosen not to um, stock it at all. Again, relative to early refills, patients with opiate use uh, disorder often comment that buprenorphine makes them feel like they can function and have a normal life. The mere thought of running out makes them nervous about experiencing that withdrawal. So oftentimes they'll request the refills early just to make sure they have enough on hand. Much like us, uh, when we're going out of town or on vacation, we oftentimes may request early refills from our pharmacy simply because we don't want to run out while we're on vacation. And this could also carry over into the patients that are being treated for a chronic relapsing disease such as opiate use disorder. What a great answer. So there are a lot of legitimate reasons that the patient might come in looking for early refills or come in looking for that kind of assistance. But what if a pharmacist does have a reservation about dispensing buprenorphine and feels that they need time to investigate the validity of a prescription? What are the things that they can do, if if there are any, to keep patients from going without their medications? Well, I think first and foremost, what we need to understand is that um, no one's going to argue a pharmacist's right to check the validity of any prescription um, uh, or controlled substances. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to automatically refuse to fill the prescription while you're trying to confirm its validity. For instance, if we have a patient out there that shows up on a Friday afternoon in the pharmacy with a script for bup, where the patient and the prescriber are unknown to the pharmacist, the pharmacist can easily give that patient a three-day supply to carry them over the weekend until they can actually uh call and and have a conversation with the provider on Monday morning, if that's the case. Oftentimes, when patients are being initiated on buprenorphine, they're not given these astronomical supplies or quantities. The prescriptions are written for what will carry them over perhaps to their next appointment. So even if it was a week supply or a seven-day supply, you know, what's the downside in filling that full amount? Um, Frankly, you still have time to contact the prescriber, and and really having a few extra days to investigate that may actually prove favorable for you, uh, depending on how busy you are in your practice. If you got a reservation, by all means, check it out. Okay, nobody's going to fault you for that. But give the patient what they need until you can establish that line of communication with the provider. Disruptions to treatment with buprenorphine have serious consequences, especially as it relates to increasing the risk of overdose. So not only will you be helping to ensure the patient's safety, but you'll be supporting the patient's continuity of care while creating a positive experience that will help to continue them on their path to recovery. Yeah, this is great. You know, you've touched on a lot of reasons why physicians and pharmacists might be seeing a shortage of buprenorphine in the pharmacies. But what do you think is needed to improve these bottlenecks then and ensure that patients do have access to buprenorphine moving forward? Well, for one, I think we need clear regulatory guidance from the DEA, especially to our wholesalers. Again, they charge them with uh, detecting suspicious orders, but they, you know, there's little guidance or standard regarding what constitutes suspicion 
or order suspension, if you will. I think one other thing we need to do is that we also need clear communication and collaboration between wholesalers and pharmacies so that any concerns that arise due to the appropriateness of ibuprofen can be easily resolved. If pharmacists need to increase their supply, they need to feel comfortable in calling or messaging the wholesaler and explaining to them the rationale for why they need that increase. On the flip side, wholesalers really need to be accommodating of the need for those increase in orders um, and, and making sure that they're uh, fulfilling a pharmacist's order for that, that particular product. NCAP has worked uh, with other stakeholders in hosting trainings around this very subject, and pharmacists can find these trainings in our on-demand library, which is located on our website. So we even have documents that you may want to print off and use to carry out wholesaler conversations to help you sort of negotiate those needs for increasing uh, your supplies. I think we also need to um, promote that same communication and collaboration rapport between OUD treatment providers and pharmacists. Neither profession should be apprehensive about communicating with the other when it comes to ensuring the continuity care of our mutual patients. Yet we often hear from both disciplines that they're reluctant to talk to each other for fear they're interrupting each other's daily schedules. Frankly, everybody's busy in healthcare. We can't really let that continue to get in our way in forming an integrated model of care and communication between physicians and pharmacists. Providers can also help pharmacists advocate for increased supplies simply by sharing the population of patients that they have on buprenorphine. If a pharmacist knows the number of patients a provider's treating, what kind of formulations those patients are being treated with so they know what to carry, how frequently they're getting their medications, then they can determine and be more accurate with how much buprenorphine they really need. Um, and then they can be able to share that information too. That goes a long way to sharing that information with a wholesaler to help us substantiate why we need those increases. Dr. Viracola, maybe it would help if you could explain what happens when patients can't get their buprenorphine filled. Well, this is the sad part, right? Because regardless of what barriers or restrictions we have getting in our way of dispensing buprenorphine, the bottom line is that the ones that suffer most are the patients. Um, the goal of using buprenorphine, obviously, is to treat someone to block their cravings um, and those urges that make them want to use again. Buprenorphine also helps to mitigate that nasty withdrawal we've talked about that goes along with decreasing or having to stop the use of their, um, their opioids of abuse. If a patient can't get their buprenorphine filled at the pharmacy and there's a gap in therapy because of a supply issue, bottom line is their cravings and the withdrawal are going to return which does nothing but lead them to enter to, um, to discontinue treatment altogether or perhaps return to illicit opiate use. And that's just one of the negative impacts of, of a gap in therapy. Disruptions to treatment with buprenorphine, we've also talked about this, but um, can also decrease a patient's tolerance to the use of the opioids, especially the ones that they may have been on before. So the loss of tolerance occurs really rapidly, making patients even more susceptible uh, to the risk of overdose and death. Clearly, pharmacists can and should play an important role in helping people find recovery from OUD. What can pharmacists do to increase access then to OUD treatment with buprenorphine? Well, I think first and foremost, it's important for pharmacists to understand the magnitude of the opiate crisis in our state and how it affects our citizens. Uh, we also need to explore and look for educational opportunities to enhance professional growth 
and the development of opiate stewardship. NCAP, again, has a host of trainings, advanced certificate level training programs, videos, live webinars, supplemental toolkits, and other resources uh, to boot to help pharmacists increase their knowledge and confidence in working in this particular space. Second, Pharmacists also need to get involved. They need to become a community partner, take action, and put their training to use to develop strategies that reduce harm and help connect partners or patients to care who may be on a trajectory to developing opiate use disorder. We have an increasing number of pharmacies out there with naloxone services incorporated into their daily workflow. For patients that present to their pharmacies with a prescription for opioids, they're using validated screening tools such as the Controlled Substance Reporting System, the Opiate Risk Tool, or the RIASWORD to help determine a patient's risk of overdose. If a patient's risk exceeds those screening thresholds, then they counsel patients on the risk, and then they provide them on the benefits of naloxone and try to help encourage them to accept naloxone um, as a companion prescription to their, their opioid. Um, Pharmacies are referring patients to community resources out there, places where they can find free naloxone, especially when cost is a factor for them. Some pharmacies are actually even collaborating with local health departments to secure free supplies of naloxone for their pharmacy so that patients don't have to travel to alternative locations to get those products. We're also seeing a growing number of collaborations between syringe service programs and pharmacies, where the pharmacy is acting as an extension of the SSP, or the syringe service program, and providing not only safe use supplies for those that inject drugs, but also information on where they can receive testing for uh, hep C, HIV, um, you know, sexually transmitted diseases, all of those things that kind of accompany and are morphed out of folks that are um, using uh, opioids, um, as well as medication treatment for opiate use disorder. And in addition, you know, I think this is this is kind of cutting edge. Is that there's a growing body of evidence out there supporting uh, opiate use disorder treatment expansion with the physician pharmacist collaboration. You know, through many of these partnerships, physicians are actually transferring the care of their patients on buprenorphine to the pharmacists. Once the patients have been stabilized on their buprenorphine dose, pharmacists can meet with patients monthly to evaluate their progress and treatment retention. In many cases, they're performing those, those assessments to evaluate cravings and the presence of withdrawal. They're reviewing urine drug screens, uh, again, controlled substance reporting data and drug counts to assess that patient's medication adherence. Outcomes from these collaborations have also shown promising results, particularly in reducing, or in reducing physician burden, uh, improving patient outcomes, reducing cost, um, and also enhancements to um, patient education and um, counseling. What great information. For folks listening who might not be as familiar with the medication buprenorphine, how often do people need to take this medication and, and how often do they need to see a provider about it? Well, in general, patients take buprenorphine daily for opiate use disorder. Uh, those dependent on opioids are usually induced or started on a low dose. And after they, after they begin to show signs and symptoms of withdrawal, they're then titrated up over about one to two days until they show marked improvement in their symptoms, their euphoria, um, their, their withdrawal symptoms. Once they're stabilized, they usually continue on that dose longitudinally for, frankly, as long as they need it um, or as long as they're finding benefit from it. And as far as the number of, of follow-ups, most of these patients are followed up um, monthly. 
uh, with their providers, or in some cases with pharmacists, uh, physician collaborations, the pharmacists are, are taking on this role. Dr. Cheryl Viracola, Director of Practice Advancement for the North Carolina Association of Pharmacists, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, head over to the Governor's Institute's YouTube page for more. That's youtube.com slash govinst, G-O-V-I-N-S-T. Thanks for listening.